Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, uh, here we are, live across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Duke Show, the Tuesday edition of the big radio broadcast, and we are ready to go. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, baby. It is uh, just a bright and early day. Um, a little cloudy, a little rainy, a little cool. Where's my summer? Damn it, I asked for summer. That's all I asked for was just a little summertime goodness. A little summertime goodness. Where to go? Where to go? Uh, welcome to the program, and thank you for uh, coming in and uh, being part of it today. The Tuesday edition means it is time to get down into the weeds. Well, I mean, we... <clears throat> We get down, we we get weedy a little, I mean, several times a week. But today, we're going to be joined by Brad Keithley from Alaskans Faux Sustainable Budgets. That's right. This is the post-session edition. The post-session edition of the weekly top three, uh, where we're going to do some analysis, analysis, of all the things that took place there, especially those last couple days, especially those last couple days of the regular session and the one day of the, the session, uh, this week's topics include the one constant in this year's budget. Oh, and there is a constant. How the ADN badly misquotes uh, Jay Hammond and that to some, the size of this year's budget is just the first step in a much larger plan to do. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, man. I just can't. Um, so that's going to be Brad's <clears throat> talking points this morning. And we're going to be discussing that and more as we go through, uh, looking forward to, uh, seeing what else he has to say this morning. We'll have some post-Brad uh, discussion as well. After we get done with Brad, we'll talk some more about some of the other things that are uh, happening or maybe further discussions on the things that he's talking about. And then um, in hour two, we will continue our weekly life coaching lesson with Chris Story. He's going to come on board and share with us and we're going to talk and we're going to, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. We'll get our uplift, our weekly positivity, uh, our the betterment, the betterment hour, or something along those lines. So it should be should be a fun discussion. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. There. All right. 
So that is everything that's wrapped up in today. Yesterday, uh, after the program, we continued on with the Alaska Radio Auction. And boy, we had a good time. We had a fantastic time. Uh, the good news is there's still a bunch of good stuff available uh, so if you're up in Fairbanks and you're getting ready to travel down to Anchorage or the Peninsula, or if you're on the Peninsula and you're getting ready <clears throat> to travel up to Anchorage or Fairbanks, or if you're in Anchorage and you want to travel anywhere else, you, you can still find good stuff out there from canoe rides and hotel stays in Homer and brewery certificates on the Peninsula and brewery certificates uh uh, in Anchorage and uh, food and clothing and uh, s services and trips, cruises, fishing charters. There's a there's a wood stove in uh, in the South Central Matsu. If you're looking for a brand new wood stove for your place, uh, big tickets. There's an Argo up for bid right now. All kinds of stuff. Just go to AlaskaRadioAuction.com right now and uh, check it out. Check it, check it out. AlaskaRadioAuction.com. They've got buy it now items, and then they've got bid on items as well. Those bids are going to be going throughout the whole week, and they'll be closing this weekend sometime. So go, go see, go see what it looks like. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good stuff. Um, also, a reminder that I will be off on Friday, as well as Monday. Yes, I know. I'm taking a four-day. I'm a horrible human being. I was told that yesterday by Rattler, a caller in Fairbanks, who said, "How? Where is my work ethic? Why would I take a Friday off? I mean, he didn't miss a day of work in five years. I don't know if that means he worked seven days a week for five years or what, but I don't know. But I'm taking the day off. I don't care. It may be I'm a slacker. I'll admit it. I'm a slacker. I'm taking Friday off, and of course Monday's a holiday, so." There you go. So um, we'll be doing some firearms actions on Thursday. If you want to come in and join us and we'll be talking about uh, some other stuff. Mike Shower will be with us tomorrow. I don't know who else we're going to have on. I'm I'll be honest with you. I need the I need the vacay just to kind of it's like a palate cleanser. It's to get rid of the filth that was the last end of the session here. I've got to <clears throat> get rid of that. Just pal cleanse my palate. It's a little sorbet in between meals. And uh, then we're going to come back uh, next week fresh and ready to go. So that'll be uh, that'll be good stuff. Okay, so what is uh, what's on the what's on the big news news things today? Well, let's see. The legislature um, there was an article by James Brooks this morning from the uh, in the um, Alaska Beacon talking about the so-called waterfall uh, waterfall provision that was put into the budget um, that calls for the payment. And they're they're not calling it a permanent fund. They're calling it the energy. And this is again how they slowly but surely change the language. Uh, a payment of up to five hundred dollars for PFD recipients, uh, based on the whether or not the North Slope crude oil goes over seventy three dollars a barrel. If it reaches eighty three dollars a barrel, 
um, it would you you get two hundred. I guess two hundred and fifty if it hits seventy three. If oil reaches an average of eighty three, half of the bonus proceeds will spill over into the state's constitutional budget reserve. The other half would go to pay for the five hundred dollar addition to the dividend. The addition would be incrementally funded to at seventy eight dollars a barrel. The dividend would be about two hundred and fifty dollars higher. And there's all kinds of, I mean, look, they just, it's all smoke and mirrors at this point. It's all based on what ifs and conceptualizations and everything else when what they should be doing is following the law, the law, just hashtag follow the damn law. But that's, that's not what they want to do. In fact, if you look at the editorial today, uh, well, not today, uh, editorial from Saturday, um, in the ADN from the Daily News editorial board, which is made up of Ryan Binkley and Tom Hewitt and others, the disdain that they have for the permanent fund dividend is obvious there. And that's a lot of the limousine liberal and uh, <clears throat> top 20% Republicans' attitude towards the dividend instead of uh, what's going on. Brad's going to dissect that one in his segment as well. But that they just don't want to follow that law because it takes too much money for spending off the table for them to be able to do what they say. They want they want to be able to control all that stuff. Anyway, if you want a little bit more detail on this provision, it's over at the Alaska Beacon. Um, it's uh, up on their front page right now. You can go check it out. It I don't know. It just seems a lot. It it seems a more a lot more like smoke. It seems like it's a lot more than it really is. It's five hundred dollars if, but maybe it's two fifty. But it depends on the oil prices and everything else and all this. <clears throat> it's it's a point where they don't have to pay it really, even if they. It's all statutory anyway, so they don't have to pay it. They could just ignore it. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if they ignore everything else. Why not that? Um. Interesting uh, happenings down on the peninsula. If you want reason number 1267 why you should homeschool your children, well, here's just another example of it. A former Soldatna teacher and current president of the Kenai Peninsula Teachers Union is accused of sexually abusing a student for more than two years. Uh, Nathaniel Yurfirth, who uh, was arrested on Saturday on felony charges of secondary sexual abuse of a minor, is now uh, been uh, jailed at the Wildwood pretrial facility. He most recently taught history at uh, Soldatna High, but for the last two years has been on full-time release from teaching as he served as the Kenai Peninsula Education Association president, which I'm assuming means he's double-dipping. He gets paid by the union and paid by the, I'm assuming, I don't know, maybe. Who knows? Who cares? Um, they have apparently have investigated him twice during the last six years due to reports of inappropriate behavior with a student, but no charges were ever filed. But in April, uh, the woman reported to Sladatna police that he had a sexual relationship with her that lasted over two years when he was a teacher and she was a student. Oh my God. She said she knew him for several years before the relationship became sexual. She confronted him about the relationship apparently while wearing a wire or recording it. Anyway, the police got the recording in. He's now in the house of many doors. And, um, I, you know, it, I, I don't know what to say to this other than, again, 
Why would you willingly send your children into the lion's den and then expect them not to be eaten? That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying, this is just yet another example of why probably a good idea that, trust me, you could do better than anything else. Um, all right. So we are, um, I guess that's it. We're coming down at the end. We've got Brad Keithley waiting for us. And we're about to do the weekly top three. The weekly top three with Brad Keithley. Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Stand by for news. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. Um, yes, I had some coffee and a monster this morning. Why are you asking? All right, we're going to continue. The Michael Duke Show. Copper Sense. Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, living life in 3D with Chris Story in just about an hour. All right, back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I, I forgot. All right. Um, I forgot to turn on the timers. I forgot to turn on the time. Oh, for the love of Pete. Oh, look at that. Okay, that needs to go there, and that needs to go over here. And then we're going to go talk to Brad. Come on. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it. Knew I should have rebooted my computer this morning before we got started, but I didn't because I was afraid something would break. That's how That's how today's going. I'm fe- I felt like it was going to be a Monday. Whoops. I felt like it was going to be a Monday, and I didn't want to participate in that madness. All right, here we go. Look at that. Boom, boom, boom. Give me that right there. And uh, we're going to start this and we're going to call it. uh, There we go. All right. Brad Keithley, Alaskan. Stand by for Brad Keithley. Uh, It's. (laughs) I don't know what the. Swear to God, I should not. Uh, Monsters and coffee do not mix. That's all I'm saying right now. I mean, they mix fine. I I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> this is like it's like an Abbott and Costello routine. All you know, sort of. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I'm the straight. Well, I must be the straight man because you're certainly the. Well, it's the Abbott and Costello <laughs> routine. It's a one man Abbott and Costello routine. It's a die. Really, Ollie. Really, Ollie. Don't do that. Um, all right. So, <laughs> I know I did the mash. I did the monster mash. Exactly. That's what it was. I mashed up monster and coffee together. I feel good. Um, <laughs> hey, Brad. So, post. And, and fully let, fully leaded coffee, right? Fully let. Who drinks? I mean, come on. I do not drink my own pee. Why would I drink decaffeinated <laughs> yeah. coffee? I mean, yeah. seriously. that That's about the same thing, Brad. Come on. Anybody oh, who drinks decaffeinated Lord. coffee. That's like, do you take all the flavor out of your food before you drink it? No. Or before you eat it? No. Then why would you drink decaffeinated coffee? Um, all right. Um, hi, Brad. Hi, Good Jose. morning, Michael. So, How are you doing today? Hell of a start, right? Hell of a start. Um, 
You got all the buttons mashed now. Everything's, oh, everything's man. up it's and all, running. And... It's all good. Um, post-session, baby. Post-session. I mean, I would be depressed, but that would mean that I was surprised. Um, and I guess I wasn't surprised, but, boy, disappointed. Uh, and then I had a conversation with some couple people in Juno yesterday, uh, or from Juno, uh, about some of the comments that we've heard from some of our legislators post facto and um, God, I don't know who to believe anymore at this point. I really don't. I really don't know who to believe. I feel like, again, I'm in game of Thrones and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not even in power. I'm the little page that's running around with a piece of paper trying to deliver messages and everybody's stabbing each other in the back behind me. And I have no idea what's going on, you know? Um, Got- all, all I know, all I know, is look at the votes on the board. Yeah, look at the votes. Look at the votes on the board in support of this budget. And, yeah, and I just, I mean, I, I still, I have that pasted up someplace, and I, and I still glance at it, and I'm just in shock. Well, I'm just in shock. All I could think of is the little finger, you know, Stedman stroking his mustache, his little finger in the background, you know, pulling all the strings and. Nobody has any idea what's going on for five seasons and then all of a sudden it turns out it's just one little guy over in the corner that's doing all the stuff. <laughs> um, this is exactly what we're dealing with right now. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> um, we're going to jump into this with the weekly top three. We got your big three items uh, and we're going to uh, we're going to dive into that. Um, I hope you I hope you're ready to let your hair down. I mean, what left? What little we have left of it. What hair? I know. What little we both have left of it. I hope you're ready to let your hair down and give us the real scoop here because I think this is going to be some important stuff. So if you will hold on, uh, we will jump back into it. And let's uh, get this going on. The Michael Luke Show. Okay, extra, extra long lead-in for this morning. Good morning, and welcome to the program, and uh, let's uh, continue on. It is time for the weekly top three, which is our, I mean, we'd say, we say it's the weekly deep dive, but we go down into some deep stuff throughout the rest of the week, but Brad, he's laser-focused on a couple different things, and... uh, Thank God, because I have ADHD today in a bad way. It's uh, it's all everywhere. It's all zippity doo dah. Uh, we're ready to go. Brad Keithley, uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, Brad, we have got. Um, we, you know what? You and I have really not talked since the end of the session. I mean, we had a passed a few messages back and forth on uh, 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 on text messages or whatever, but we really haven't had any in depth conversation. So I'm hoping that in the midst of this weekly top three, you're going to give us. Uh, your thoughts on the outcome of this whole thing, because what a hot, hot, hot steaming pile of mess we've got going on. The one year's con- the one constant in this year's budget, Brad, is number one. What is the 
constant in this year's budget. I think I know, but I'll I'll let you I'll let you spill the beans as it were. Well, it's it's very simple. It's spend, spend a lot, but don't tax me, don't tax my friends in the oil industry. Tax the other 80% behind the tree by uh, by using uh, PFD cuts to pay for uh, pay for all my spending. And that 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 was true all the way to the end. Even at the end when they did the increases in the capital budget, the 30 some odd million dollars uh, of increased capital budget that purportedly brought the House Republicans, the House majority uh, over to uh, support the budget. Uh, that was at the expense of additional PFD cuts. I mean, that was at the expense of, of being paid for by, uh, by the other 80%. So the, the one constant throughout was spend, Spend here, spend on K through 12, spend on child care, spend on uh, various other things, spend the $30 million, but don't tax me to pay for it. Don't tax my friends in the oil industry to pay for it. Tax the, the other 80% behind the tree. And that's a constant that, that uh, I, we have seen over the last few years. And, I, and, and you know, based upon what happened this year, uh, I am I'm fearful we're gonna see it, uh, see it continuing on. The spending, um, Michael, it's just, it's just sort of astounding. I did a chart. If you've got it where we can throw it up for a second. Yeah, I got it here. I, I'll put it up. I did a chart that, that tra that, uh, tracked, uh, spending over the, uh, over the last few years. And it starts in, uh, FY 18, uh, the second to last year of the Walker administration and continues on through. Uh, the adjournment budget for FY24, and and you see that spending just continues. While spending was held relatively constant the last two years of the Walker administration and the first two years of the Dunleavy administration, it's exploded since the 5.1 billion in, uh, uh, and this is UGF spending. This is uh, operating budget plus capital budget plus uh, uh, statewide budget. Um, in, on the left-hand column in the blue, on the right-hand column is the PFD, and I'll come back to that in a second. But you can see that in FY22, uh, not not in the not during the session that set the FY22 budget, but in the session in the FY23 session last year's session where they went back and put a bunch of supplemental funds when oil when it ramped up, went back and put a bunch of supplemental funds. The FY22 budget ramped up to 5.1 billion. The FY23 budget, the management plan plus the supplementals passed uh, in this legislative session is at 5.6 billion. They uh, they came off that. It looks like they've come off that uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, in this uh, budget, uh, but not much. They've come down 300 million dollars in an, in an, in a year when oil prices are substantially less than they were in in FY23 in a year where in a year where we're facing FY24, substantially lower oil prices uh, than where we than the oil prices in FY23. Uh, all the spending has come down about five point, about three hundred million dollars to five point three billion. Um, that's about four hundred million over the Dunleavy budget, the proposed budget as amended by the governor, um, and uh, sets a sets a tone I think going forward. That's a it's just bad. I mean, that the 5.3 is going to be the new baseline that, you know, we ramp we ramp up from there. Oh my gosh! You know, we got inflation. We got 
we need to increase spending for this, that, and the other thing. And the 5.3 will be the will be the starting point for that. You can see what's been done to the PFD on the right hand in the in the in the yellow and 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 brown uh, uh, bars. You can see what's been done to the PFD uh, over the same period. And basically, what we're seeing, what we saw this year, what we've seen every year, is continue spending, but don't tax me, don't tax my friends in the oil industry, tax the eighty percent of Alaska families uh, behind the tree. Started out in FY18 in the Walker administration with $800 million cut to the PFD, taxes, head taxes on middle and lower income Alaska, the fall largely on middle and lower income Alaska families. $1.6 billion uh, in FY22. Um, FY23, uh, we had the, the PFD plus the energy rebate, and that got us closer, but we still had a $500 million, half a billion dollar cut. Uh, in the PFD, even uh, last year and this year, <coughs> excuse me, this year it's one point one point four billion dollars, right? Which is which is basically uh, 75, 20, 25, 75, 25 percent of the POMB draw to Alaska families, seventy five percent to governor uh, to government. I've I've tracked that on out uh, uh, in another uh, chart that you can find on our Facebook page. I've tracked that on out. And this year, FY24, counting the savings that they're claiming that will be spent next year in the supplemental, <laughs> counting ca counting the savings, they're roughly at 75, 25. But if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you trend out the budget uh, over the next uh, 10 years or so, starting with 5.3, the new, uh, the, the, the amount this year as the base, if you trend out the budget, the percent of POMB remaining after you have to divert so much of it to uh, to support spending, the, the remaining POMB, the amount going to Alaska families uh, is 22% in, uh, in 25, FY25. Just listen to these numbers for a second. 22% in FY25, 26% or uh, excuse me, 17% in FY26, 15% in FY27, 13% in FY28, 9% in FY29, 5%. It's a 95.5 um, in FY30, 3% in FY31, and 2% of the POMB going to Alaska families uh, by FY32. And that's just that's just trending the baseline uh, the, the 5.3 billion for for inflation as we'll as we'll talk about in the third segment some already have plans for for increasing spending uh, at, a, at a real rate uh, above that so basically f uh, 25 even 2575 doesn't last beyond fy24 uh, where we're going on spending and where we're going uh, on oil revenues <coughs> we're down to we're down to uh, 78.22 or 22.78 uh, uh, by the time the legislature meets next year. It is, we've given up trying to control spending. We've given up trying to replicate what we did during the FY18 to FY21 uh, era. And we're, we're just, we're exploding spending. We don't have the revenues. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't have the traditional revenues to support it. So we're just taking it out of the PFD. 
don't tax me. Don't tax my friends in the oil industry. Uh, take it out of the other 80% uh, through a head tax uh, on the PFD. This is what I've talked about for years on this program is I've talked about uh, that the entire goal at this point is to have access to the corpus, not just the earnings reserve, but the corpus. And this is this is taking us down that road. Like you said, 95.5. By the time you get to 95.5, that's when they start to take a look at that 5% draw on the POMV and say, well, it's just not enough. So next year we're going to have to take six, uh, five and a half, six, six and a half, seven. Next thing you know, 10, 15 years down the road, we'll be drawing deeply into the corpus and we'll have some kind of probably, I imagine, some kind of tax by that time as well. So these things are all heading in that direction. And this is this is this is the thing that we warned you about all this time. Uh, Brad and I have been talking about this for eight years. This is exactly what. Really, this is this is an inflection point. Uh, the reason it's an inflection point is FY24 revenues are clearly down. I mean, we're at like eighty five dollars average oil price this year. Next year's average oil price is going to be seventy three dollars. Uh, it, so oil prices are clearly down. Oil revenues are clearly down. Revenues are clearly down. Yeah. <coughs> I'm get some water during the break. <laughs> yet, yet spending is going up. Um, and it's, and you didn't hear this session really any discussion about, about cutting spending, about matching spending to revenues. It was all, uh, increasing spending. Uh, uh, above, uh, above, you know, the baseline level that, uh, that that we had for K through 12 and 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 various other things. It was all how can we increase spending? It wasn't even increase spending responsibly. It wasn't even increase spending in some relation to where the revenues <coughs> were going. It was increase spending, sort of regardless, sort of detached from revenues, and we'll get the revenues we need by taxing middle and lower income Alaska families through uh, through PFD cuts. So it's um I think this session's an inflection point because it it demonstrates that even when revenues start back down <coughs> sorry even when revenues start back down uh we're not going to we're not we're no longer interested in tailoring spending uh to that to those to those revenue levels. We're going to keep running spending separately. And that's, I mean, that's last year you could explain it by we had the explosion of oil prices. And so we had an explosion of revenues. And so, okay, let's, let's get a bunch of one-time catch up spending out of the way. Let's catch up on where we were on uh, uh, K through 12 uh, uh, buildings, for example, let's catch up on the bond reimbursement uh, that's that, that some alleges do local government. Um, and so you could, you could sort of say, okay, well, we had the explosion of all earnings. We're going to catch up with a bunch of catch up with a bunch of spending that we hadn't been doing in previous years. Uh, but this year revenues are clearly down. All revenues are clearly going to be down. Um, but there wasn't any discussion. I mean, the, 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 the discussion was at best, let's put a cap on it. Let's, let's see if we can, let's see if we can just, you know, keep it at a certain, keep growth at, right. a, at a, at a controlled level. There wasn't any discussion of, oh my gosh, we don't have revenues. We've got to go back and we've got to, you know, really dig into the budget. And find no, places there's no set. discussion on that. And that's, I mean, that you're going to cover part of that in the next segment, the disdain that anybody seems to have for any suggestions that we may cut anything at this point. That's the problem. 
is that there's just an absolute level of disdain for anybody that says, oh, yeah, we should cut. No, 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 no. And, in fact, it continues to go up. Uh, Donna just made the comment, agency operation spending is up more than 6% over fiscal year 23. I mean, it's just yeah. it's one thing after another. But but there's no there's no interest. There's no interest in in restraining that. There's no interest in cutting that. I mean, look at the board. Look at the voting board on the budget after the $30 million is add, added. You got Tom McKay, you got you got McCabe, you've got you've got Republicans who say that you know they're there to control spending, they're there to to keep a cap on the budget, yet they're voting for the budget. Um and and are among those who you know enabled this to uh the budget to uh, keep on going forward. So it's, uh, there's just no appetite, Michael. I mean, there's no appetite even among those who claim to be conservative Republicans to keep the, keep the budget under control anymore. Yeah. Um, All right. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budgets. Let's move on. Give me a tease for number two of the weekly top three. Uh, Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Binkley family blog, the uh, ADN uh, editorial page, (laughs) which is just the Binkley family blog. Um, and, um, uh, and, and there, they had an op-ed about, uh, Governor Hammond and their claim that, that, uh, Hammond doesn't work anymore. Hammond's vision of the PFD doesn't work anymore because it's, because it's not doing a certain thing that, that, that Hammond claimed it would do. The fact is they're, they're, they're misquoting Hammond. Hammond never claimed that the PFD was going to do what they claim it, what they say the PFD was going to do, what they say Hammond said the PFD was going to do. Hammond was talking about something else. And the and the and the point that Hammond had about controlling spending, they just completely ignore. Right. Brad Keithley, Alaska for <laughs> sustainable budgets. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. And we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. The weekly top three continues right after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, back from <clears throat> the well, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Brad's all prepped and ready, just doesn't know that that dry throat's going to come on and catch it at the end. Um, I ha- Hold on a second, Brad. I muted you because I didn't know what you were doing there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea what you were about to say. Um, yeah, need, need a little bit of that wet. The wetness is the essence of beauty, Brad. That's all I'm saying. Um, um, did, you, did you see um, Kevin um, McCabe's email out to his constituencies explaining why he voted for the budget did you see that i didn't okay i'm not his constituency and i didn't get it okay wouldn't it say well this will be interesting let me let me just he sent me a synopsized version of it because i asked him if he had a quote for me and um he sent me this and so i'll get your get your comment on it he says at the end of the day this is what a non-binding caucus looks like Uh, I don't know if we can blame the non-binding caucus for it, but anyway. He said, I was a no vote until my caucus decided to go the other way. 
which I also disagree with. I don't think the caucus decided to go another way because Kathy Tilton and and Sadler and a bunch of others didn't vote for it. I, I think, you know, he said, I had argued for not concurring all week and very vocally. But once I realized I had lost, I looked at the $10 million worth of projects that I had supported the Senate conference committee members and that the fact that my district in the Matsu had no senator on the conference committee. And I decided that I should support what I had negotiated. The one that the Senate had just put back in. You lose much credibility for next year's negotiation if you don't vote for the project you negotiate. I was the very last person to vote. The no vote for the, for the team was my first priority, but once that battle was lost, my priority shifted to the next thing. The vote not to concur would have sent a message, but keep in mind that last year when I voted for concurrence and the others did not, it went to conference committee and we lost a third of the PFD and the Valley lost seven trooper positions. So there's a lot to unpack there, but essentially, $10 million for the projects that I negotiated, I got to vote yes, because uh, I got, and I, I, again, uh, I, this is, a, I'm sure it's a hard decision. I mean, yeah, this is why I would make a horrible legislature, because I would have given them all the double finger. I would have like flipped double eagles and walked out of the room and said no. Uh, but that's just me. I don't care if I negotiated in good faith or not. If you stab me in the back after the nego at the end of the negotiations, I don't feel like my negotiations really mattered at that point, right? I mean, uh, I, I don't know your thoughts. Oh, I I think that's you know I won't use the word that's coming to mind. I mean, Justin Ruffridge, there were there were some who voted against uh, the the budget who had project who got projects in their district. Um, and the fact that you got a project, I don't want to use the word buying, but the fact that you got a small project in your district, uh, it means you end up voting for a huge budget, a huge unfunded, uh, uh, budget built on the backs of middle, middle and lower Kemala, middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. Um, it just, just does that just doesn't set right with me. I mean, he, he was a yes vote. Um, Tilton was a no vote. Sadler was a no vote. Well, Even Justin Refridge was a th no vote. This is what kills me because the vote was uh, 20, uh, 26 to 14, right? 26 to 14. If you had voted no, it wouldn't have made any difference as far as the outcome goes. But, I mean, polit even if I was just looking at this cynically as a politician, I, I could have voted no, and my constituency would have been like, well, at least you stood your ground. Right. You still would have gotten the projects. You still would have gotten the stuff. Why at the end, you're the last vote. Why would you vote? Yes. At that point, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. And, and, and Michael, you know, the argument that, that the, my caucus had moved on and I was, I mean, the caucus voted against the budget 14 to nine or 14 to eight. Can't remember if there's 22 or 23 in the caucus, but the, the caucus, the, the 14 no votes are all coming from the caucus and there's a minority in that caucus that's that's voting yes that included uh mccabe and mckay and 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 some of the others who who claim to be fiscal conservative so it's um <coughs> i don't i don't buy that explanation i mean i i understand the explanation i understand uh uh what he's claiming what 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 he what he's asserting is the motivation but I don't buy it as a as a justification. As I say, Ruffridge and others, even even Justin Ruffridge and others, voted against the budget, even though they got uh, even though they got projects uh, in their district. I, yeah, well, I, Julie, Julie Colomb's. Uh, well, Justin Ruffridge basically said, "I don't feel like being bought." I mean, that's what he he actually said that. And Julie Colomb said something very similar when she voted against it. 
Uh, Ruffridge had a over half a million dollar project in his district, and he said, no, I'm not going to vote for it because I don't feel like getting bought, uh, which is kind of how I would have felt. I don't care if you're pouring money into the district or trying to do something like that. And and the vote was going to pass anyway. So I don't, uh, again. I mean, th- this is this is how we this is how we've gotten into this mess, right? Yeah. Everybody says, I need something for my district. And by the time you add all that up, you get a $5.3 billion budget. Yeah. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. Number two is dead ahead. Let's jump into it. Uh, like and share, if you would. Like and follow. Um, subscribe on YouTube and ring the bell. Bill has got the comment of the morning right now on uh, on YouTube. Here we go. Let's get it going on. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> Pinch of intel. Sorry, that is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. <laughs> Just a pinch, but it's been established I have large hands, so a pinch is bigger than. Um. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the show. It's the weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us. And this morning we're continuing on number two of the weekly top three. Um, Brad, the ADN editorial board, what you lovingly call the Binkley family blog has got some things to say about the PFD. And we just should be grateful that we get what we get. We should just shut up about it because what Hammond said is, I mean, it's just not working. Um, Except for, of course, the fact that they kind of fold and spindle what Hammond said. Yeah, so the the editorial is their, their weekly editorial, their weekend editorial, says the reversal of Jay Hammond's permanent fund dream. And the claim, the theme of the editorial is, Hammond said that the PFD was important because it would motivate individuals to look after government spending and to and to focus on government spending and and that's and they claim that's what that's why Hammond said that we uh, that we had uh, that we needed to have the PFD and they they spin from that and say well that's not working uh, all it's doing is getting people to focus on big PFDs instead of instead of constraining spending. And so <clears throat> it's not achieving that objective. If it's not achieving the objective of constraining spending or getting people to focus on, on total spending, then why do we need the PFD at all? If, if it's not serving that purpose, if that's the purpose that Hammond set out for it, then, then why do we need the PFD at all? The problem with that whole theory is it's wrong. It's based upon a, a misstatement, misquote, misunderstanding uh, of Hammond. Hammond said the PFD was important for was to create individuals who were focused on the permanent fund and what the permanent fund corporation did with the permanent fund to make sure it was invested properly, to make sure that it earned adequate returns, to make sure that it wasn't siphoned off and used for the buddy system, you know, to give low cost loans to somebody as, as it has been recently. Um, and that it wasn't used to just, you know, as 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 crony capitalist uh, uh, funding uh, for uh, for individual Alaskans. That was the purpose of the PFD to focus on what the permanent fund corporation was doing with the permanent fund. And actually, it's done a pretty good job of that because this whole flare up we've had recently about uh, about focusing, you know, taking a portion of the PFD and putting it or a portion of the permanent fund and focusing it on in-state investments. The flare-up of that has been a lot of people concerned about what that would mean for the PFD. Lower returns from in-state investments 
uh, and what that would mean going forward for the PFD, as well as for the portion that goes to state government. What Hammond said was necessary to control spending was something entirely different, and that was the income tax. And what Hammond said was, you, if you have a tax that sits there, like the sword of Damocles over legislators' heads, that they that they will control spending. Nothing nothing's worse, according to Hammond, uh, for a legislator than to have to increase a tax. Nothing's worse for his re, for his or her reelection prospects. And that was what Hammond said was necessary to control spending. And we've seen that to be true because we did away with the income tax in the early 1980s. Hammond wanted to suspend it and have it sitting there like a sort of Damocles over legislators' heads. We didn't do that. The legislature, in its infinite wisdom, eliminated it. Hammond didn't veto that bill, allowed it to go into effect. Uh, and so we haven't had that tax sitting like a sort of Damocles over legislators' heads, so that if they increase spending, they would have to tax to pay for it, and they would be resistant to increasing spending because they didn't want to have a tax. That was Hammond's solution to increase spending. You can't find a word of that in the ADN editorial. I mean, they've mixed and matched what Hammond said about how to control uh, misadventures with the permanent fund with what Hammond said about how to control misadventures uh, with spending. And the ADN, the ADN doesn't want, the Binkley family blog doesn't want to admit that that's what Hammond said about how to control spending, because my God, that might mean we would, we would need to have a tax to control, control spending. And guess who would have to pay that tax? The top 20% who right. get off scot-free now uh, through using PFD cuts. And right. so, Binkley's trying to, the Binkley family blog is trying to misdirect the quotes about Hammond and what, and what, and what Hammond's intent was to get away from, you know, what Hammond truly said about how to control spending, which is, which is through attacks. And, and again, Hammond was very clear on this. What I find interesting in this editorial is that the one hand, they talk about Alaska Inc. and the idea that residents are shareholders. And then that's all good. And then they get snarky later on and says it turns out that the only function of government that motivates a fair swath of the of the residents is the permanent fund dividend and their preference for it to be as large as possible. Like somewhere it's the greed and the entitlement is astonishing somehow that uh, that Alaskans have run the modern era's longest real world trial of universal basic income. And how dare we do that? Again, not understanding the whole concept that Hammond had behind this, that Alaskans were shareholders in everything that was going on. Oh, they understand it, Michael. I mean, Johnny I mean, yeah, and, and yeah. the kids and Tom Hewitt understand what Hammond said. They're just misrepresenting it. They're just twisting it to 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 support their own their own objective of using the permanent fund dividend as the as the as the revenue to to uh to close the the budget deficits that they themselves are helping to create by pushing for increased spending on the, in various categories it it is it is truly i mean if you look at this from the standpoint of the top 20 percent it is truly th that is the theme that runs through all their editorials spend because it's good for alaska uh, and it's good for you know Alaska business. It's good for Alaska kids. It's good for Alaska employees. Spend because it's good for Alaska. But don't tax me to pay for it. Make the lower make make the other eighty percent pay for it through PFD cuts. That's the theme 
that that cuts through all of these editorials. And this one's no different. The 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 reason this one stands out is because now they're misquoting Hammond and misstating Hammond to try to justify uh, their uh, their their that position uh, going forward. And that's just not what Hammond said. Hammond had it right. Hammond had it right. You want to control spending? Make all Alaskans pay for it through taxes. And then legislators who, who passing a tax is the last thing they want to do. Legislators will face up to the fact that they need to constrain spending. We've just, we've just, the top 20% in this state has just found a way around that by using PFD cuts, which fall, which fall hardest on middle and lower income Alaska families, barely touch the top 20%. Don't take anything from non-residents. Top twenty percent has just found a way around that in this state, and um, and and they want to do everything, including misquoting Hammond, to try to uh, to try to sustain that approach. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. The weekly top three. This is the this is really the poster child, uh, prime example of how the disdain that the top twenty percent have for Alaskans and the PFD in general. They again want to use it for their for their as their own piggy bank that's how they want to do it and how dare we complain how far they cut it back i mean it's that's that's the biggest point um, yeah and and to call and to call the pfd universal basic income is just is another insult universal basic income basically is redistribution of wealth right taking wealth from one income bracket and 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 and, and putting it in another income bracket in a way that gives them sort of a a minimum a minimum income that's not what the PFD does at all. The PFD takes common wealth, commonly shared wealth, and divides it between a benefit for Alaska families in, in, in terms of the PFD and a benefit for, frankly, the top 20% in terms of acting as a substitute for taxes, replacing taxes. Right. That's what, that's what the PFD is doing. That's what the permanent fund earnings stream is doing. It's not. It's not taking money from uh, the top twenty percent and redistributing it to the to the to the other eighty percent, which is what a universal basic income has done. So this editorial is just. <laughs> it's just one misstatement, one uh, 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 misleading misquote uh, after another. Brad Keithley, uh, let's move on to number three. We don't have a whole lot of time. About two and a half minutes here. But this is the this is the this is just the first step. That's what a lot of people are saying. Some people say the quiet part out loud. God love him. Zach Fields has has, has said the quiet part out loud. Uh, an op ed again uh, in the ADN uh, over the uh, uh, over the weekend uh, opinion piece. The title of which is "A Great Budget Is Only the First Step." And part of the <coughs> excuse me, part of the Part of the op-ed is praising he and his other legislators for passing what he's calling a great budget in terms of increased K through 12 spending and increasing uh, uh, child some some uh, subsidies for child uh, care and and on and on and on. But then, sort of halfway through, transitioning and saying, "But that's only a first step. We need additional spending. We need a full catch up with K through 12. We need to get all of the." All of the money that we initially uh, uh, targeted for K through 12, all of the catch up for uh, for uh, inflation over the, the over the past several years, we need additional spending here, additional spending there, uh, additional spending over there. 
And this is really the first step. So if you think, if you think the $5.3 billion budget is out of whack this year, uh, when you look at oil prices trending down, you look at oil revenues trending down, Zach Fields is telling us that that, that spending, uh, at least in his view and the view of legislatures that are aligned with him, spending needs to continue going up. We're not spending enough yet. We need to spend more and more and more. And where is it going to come from? It's going to come from middle and lower income Alaska families. Now, Fields does say that there needs to be some additional revenues. But the additional revenues he talks about are like are like a fig leaf, right? Right. The budget, the def, deficit's over two billion dollars. Yeah. They're taking, they're targeting more than two billion dollars out of the PFD to cover the deficit. The additional revenues that Fields is talking about is like two hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. It's a it's a fraction of what it needs to be. Brad, we're out of time. Thanks for coming on board and joining us, folks. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Yeah, I mean, Field sets us up here for the perfect. I mean, you could see it right now. He wants in his in his piece here. He talks about how. Uh, well, I, first of all, I love how he says. However, the large with a large PFD of thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, like, I mean, like this. It's that huge. Oh my God! This large PFD of thirteen hundred dollars. You, you could see it. They, they, he, there. He's like drool is like coming out of the sides of his mouth. He can't. He's salivating so much to get his hands on that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's astonishing. But that's exact. This is just the first step of getting everything uh, together to where they could take the full PFD and then add more down the road. Yeah, Michael, I mean, Fields is Fields is just sort of the the poster child child for a limousine liberal, right? I mean, the PFD helps 80 helps 80 percent of Alaska families. It also is distributed to the top 20 percent, but <clears throat> it's a trivial, trivial share of their income. Largely what Hammond set up was 50 percent that goes to the PFD that largely helps uh, the 80 percent of Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families. 50% to substitute for for taxes which uh, which helps the uh, the top 20%. And so you would think that Fields being a democrat being a a, a, a left democrat would say okay we've got to first things first we got to protect the 80%. We got to protect middle and lower income working Alaska families, right? And if we need additional spending and we do need initial additional spending, but if we need additional spending we need to take it out of other people's pockets. We need to take it out of the oil companies' pockets, or we need to take it out of the wealthy Alaskans' uh, pockets. But that's not what Fields is doing. What Fields is doing is saying, we need to take the money, we need additional spending, and we need to take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income working Alaska families almost exclusively. We need to put the full burden on, on middle and lower, virtually the full burden on middle and lower income Alaska families. And what that reveals is that Fields' and others' priority is really the government spend, right? Is really government employees, Fields is, is with the union that represents government employees, by the way, but but it really, it really shows the focus is on government spend, the government share of the economy, government employees, moving money out of middle and lower income Alaska families over to government employees, a lot of whom are in the top 20%, including Zach. So it's it's it it shows the hypocrisy, the limousine liberal, the coastal elite hypocrisy of of Alaska Democrats. They don't really care 
about working Alaska families. They don't really care about middle and lower income Alaska families. What they really care about are government employees. And, and those, that portion of middle and lower income Alaska families that aren't government employees or aren't in the government economy, yeah, forget about you. Who cares about you? Let's just, we're, we're just going to take your money. We're just going to tax you uh, uh, to pay for everything we want for, for government, government employees and for, and for the government uh, share of the economy. And it's, it's, you know, they aren't, I don't know what they are. I, I, they aren't Democrats. I mean, they, they are truly limousine liberals, truly coastal elites that, that say, we need all this good stuff. We need all these, we need all these government employees. We need all these government programs, but I don't, Zach, whose family income is about $250,000, according to the APOC reports. I don't want to pay for it. Right. I don't want my friends well, to pay for it. Ironically, he doesn't, he represented, uh, he represents an area that's pretty needy of the, uh, I mean, they're a median income, medium to low income uh, area. And so he's basically telling all his constituencies, sorry, suck it up, buttercup. You're going to pay for all this stuff. So none of us have to. Yeah, it, that's a portion of his district, certainly. Yeah. He doesn't represent the poorest district in the state, but he represents a, a lower than middle income, lower than middle uh, uh, district in the state. I mean, but it's but he feeds into this line, and, and this, is, this is what the Democrats in the state are doing. Feeds into this line is, you need government programs. We need to help you with government programs. Oh, and by the way, in other states, when, when we say we need to help you with government programs, we're going to get the money from someplace else. We're going to let you let you continue to have your money here in Alaska. They're saying you need government programs. And by the way, we're going to take money from you. Right. To, to <laughs> pay for working, these programs. Yeah. From working well, Alaska families to pay for these programs. And, and 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 the irony is some a lot of these programs. I mean, let's take Medicaid for, or Medicare, for example. All that really does is funnel money to docs. Right. And it really funnels money to the medical med, uh, medical community. Top 20 percent docs. Top twenty percenters in the med in the medical community, yeah, it's ostensibly for for lower income families, but they don't get the money, they barely get the benefit out of it, and and the money, all the money is going to the docs. <coughs> so it's just these government programs aren't really designed to help middle and lower income Alaska families. They're just designed yeah. to help government government well, employees, and and. Gosh, we don't want to we don't want to trigger the top 20% into pushing back on this spending. We don't want to, the sort of Damocles to fall on their head so that they start pushing back on spending. So we'll just take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, pat them on the head and saying, hey, it's for you. Don't worry yeah, about it. Well, we're, do we're doing good stuff. I you. love the keeping up with the Joneses aspect of this as well, because he's like, oh, <clears throat> we need to take care of child care. And we just only put seven and a half million dollars. Look at North Dakota. They did 62 million. We should be like. I mean, if that's the case, then there should be a state uh, sales tax and a state income tax. If you want to be like all these other states, that's how they're paying for a lot of this stuff. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying you can't pick and choose and say you want all these things. But that's exactly what he's trying to do. And Zach will tell you, oh, I've got a revenue uh, bill in. I've got, a, I've got an income tax bill in. <coughs> I went through the income tax bill in last, last Friday's. Zach's income tax bill in last Friday's Alaska landmine. Um, and it's just, it's a very thin veneer of revenue on huge PFD cuts. Yeah. It's like saying, I've got a bill, but hey, I still it, need all these. PFD it justifies cuts. the PFD cut is what it does uh, with the, yeah. I mean, 
All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, good to talk with you. Thanks for being part of it today. Michael, as always, uh, thanks for having me. Okay. We got more coming up, folks. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to hour two of the Tuesday broadcast of the Michael Duke Show. We just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And uh, I'm going to dissect a little bit more some of the things that he said and some of the uh, editorials that he has up there. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But first, uh, oh, and we're going to be joined by Chris Story in just a few minutes for uh, our weekly life coaching lesson. Today's topic from Chris is going to be living life in 3D. Now, I don't know if that's, I mean, I already live life in 3D, so I don't know if I need coaching on it. But... I'm sure it'll be something clever. He's going to hit us with it. He's going to hit us with it. Um, <clears throat> we are going to be jumping and joining into this and uh, and talking more about it. But first, some housekeeping. Uh, so first and foremost, thank you to everybody yesterday who uh, participated in the Alaska Radio Auction. Uh, the auction is still up and running right now. You can find it at alaskaradioauction.com. And uh, there's still uh, a lot of instant items up, and there's still some big ticket items. The big ticket items are going to run till I think Saturday or Sunday, and uh, so you got a chance to go out and bid on some of those items if you would like to. It, uh, I mean, they've got some. There's some great stuff, including uh, for those of you who are hunters and outdoorsmen. They've got an Argo. They've got uh, they've got a whole uh, bunch of stuff. There's a wood stove. There's a log splitter. There's a there's all kinds of stuff. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So go check it out. Uh, again, AlaskaRadioAuction.com. I've also got um, stays in Homer at my favorite place, the Ocean Shores Resort. They've got uh, Seward, the Sea Life Center in Seward. Uh, they've got KOA campground stuff. They've got uh, food all over the place. They got canoe and kayaking trips in Fairbanks. They've got Gold Ridge Number Eight certificates in Fairbanks. Cruises in Valdez for Prince William Sound. I mean, there's just alaskaradioauction.com. Go over there and see it. Thank you for joining me yesterday when we talked about that. 
Uh, and finally, the housekeeping is going to be uh, for Friday. Friday, uh, this Friday, I am going to be um, uh, I'm going to be off. Uh, I'm going to be on vac- vacation. I'm taking uh, I'm taking the day, uh, and that's going to make it a four day weekend for me. And I know somebody's screaming at the radio right now about my work ethic and everything else because somebody did yesterday. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I deserve it. I'm just saying, I deserve. I'm going to try. <laughs> I looked at my vacation, and I have not taken. Uh, I have not taken any vacation. Uh, and, uh, and I realized, you know, I just, I need it, especially after this post-session madness that just went on, I need, uh, just a few minutes of quiet and contemplative time where I could stare at the sky, the trees, the ceiling, the ocean, whatever I'm going to be doing, uh, or my honeydew list, one of those two. And, uh, so you should check it out. Um, but I'm going to be off on Friday. I'm also going to be off on Monday because Monday is a holiday, Memorial Day. So that'll be a four-day weekend. So that being said, we'll be doing some firearm stuff on Thursday because I can't live without, uh, um, you know, I, I just I can't live without it. So it's, uh, we're going to do some firearm stuff on Thursday, and uh, and we're going to do it. So anyway, it's it's good stuff. So I will be gone on Friday and Monday, FYI. Don't send me a bunch of messages every time I take the day off. Uh, and it's usually like a Friday or a Monday that I take off because um, I try and I don't want to, you know, I can't afford to take a whole week off. Right. I mean, I could take a week's vacation, but I only do that at Christmas time because nothing's happening. Um, but every time I take a single day off, I get a ton of messages from Facebook and everything. Where are you? Where are you? What's going on? I'm not here. Sorry. Uh, all right. So housekeeping done. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about what Brad was uh, talking about. So two of his weekly top three pieces had to do with editorials that are in the ADN. And I got to tell you, if you just go and read the editorials, these two editorials on their own, and I suppose I will go ahead and post these editorials up in the chat room so that people can see them. Um, for themselves, uh, we've got Zach Hammond, or Zach Fields's, uh, Zach Fields's, uh, 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 opinion piece. And then we've got a piece from the ADN editorial board themselves that both talk about different things. Fields is talking about how this budget for this year, the Senate arm twisting game of Thrones budget is just the first step. Now, that should scare the hell out of you, right? That should, I mean, the opinion, the title of the opinion piece is a great budget is only the first step. And then you get down into it and you start reading this and you realize this guy has got designs on everything. I mean, and his comment on however... Uh, you know, he keeps going on and on. Here's, 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 let me read it in context and then I'll get back to the quote. In context, here's what it says it says, over and over this year, we've heard about the need for a fiscal plan, quote unquote. We took the first and most important step of passing a balanced budget that finally attempts to fund education adequately. <laughs> Come on. That's not a, that's not a fiscal plan. That's a spending plan. That, I mean, that's the, you know, we finally took the most important step by passing a balanced budget that finally attempts to fund education. That is a, that's not a fiscal plan. 
That's a spending plan. Right? Then he goes on to say, and this is my quote of the day, however, with a large PFD of $1,300, we're counting, with a large, the PFD should be nearly four, according to statute, 50-50, five-year rolling average, the whole deal, according to the formula, the PFD should be north of $4,000 and would have been if Bill Walker, may he, may he feel a burning in his loins, Bill Walker had not changed the accounting for how we how we account for the PFD monies as they used to be just a simple transfer. It was just a pass-through transfer, never hit the books. Bill Walker changed it so that it was state revenue. Now, all of a sudden, they've got a huge amount of money to play with, and they are happy to play with it. But now this large PFD of $1,300 means we're counting on oil prices staying up and high, and if we want to continue, if we want to continue paying such large dividends, we must get large dividends. $1,300 is the large dividends. And of course, he goes on to talk about his, um, um, he, he goes on to talk about his uh, income tax bill, net zero income tax on high earners and some other things like that. I mean, this is, <clears throat> this is a guy who has never seen a dollar that he didn't want to spend. That's the bottom line on that. Just didn't want to spend. So anyway, go read this opinion piece. And then after you're, you know, you're going to have to have an aperitif or a, a thin cracker to clear, you know, clear your, your palate after you're done with that. Then go read the editorial piece from the ADN, The Reversal of Jay Hammond's Permanent Fund Dream. Which again, as Brad points out, they literally bastardize exactly what Hammond says and, uh, and goes on and on. But here's some of the things that stuck out with me on this. Uh, as the permanent, as with the permanent fund itself, Hammond's goal with the dividend was to use Alaska's oil wealth to help provide financial security uh, for Alaskans. And in doing so, give residents a reason to keep a close eye on how state government managed its resources. Brad points out, as usual, that's not, it was initially set up that Alaskans for their loss of their subsurface mineral rights, had a share in the wealth because they were shareholders in the corporation that was the state of Alaska. He did say, again, that the income tax would give you that connection between the two, that sort of Damocles that that Brad talked about. That's what he talked about. It's in Diapering the Devil. You can go back and read it and listen to it. He said uh, Alaskans would be more inclined to keep their representatives honest if they had a personal personal financial stake in the matter, which, again, goes back to the income tax and not necessarily the dividend. But, uh, I mean, that that again, they turn around and say it turns out the only function of government that motivates a fair swath of residents is the PFD itself. We are, I mean, this is what they're saying. It turns out the only function of government that motivates a fair swath of residents is the PFD itself and their preference for it to be as large as possible, even at the expense of other essential functions such as education, transportation, and public safety. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. I just don't fathom it. That's exactly what they're saying. We're greedy. We're greedy. 
That's all they want. They want it to be as large as possible, even if people are, you know, puppy dogs and cats are living together, mass hysteria, uh, butterflies are dying in the streets because there's no public transportation or safety or education. How dare we? How greedy we want to be for the largest people. The disdain that drips from this article is is palpable. But you should go read it because it gives you a little bit of a better idea of what I love the word mega PFD. Uh, they keep saying mega PFD, big PFD hardliners, mega PFD dead enders. Um, I mean, it, it just again, just the disdain for anybody that would suggest that we follow the damn law and that the government lives within their means. How dare we suggest that? I mean, we are spending $16,000 for every man, woman, and child in this state on state government, but what do they need? They need... They, they need... Yeah. More. That's what they want. They want. Yeah. That's how. That's how. That's all they want. They want more. They want more. Sixteen thousand. Just multiply the number of people in your household by sixteen thousand dollars, and that's how much we're spending on state government. And are you, Mister and Mrs. Alaskan, with your two point one children? getting $64,000 worth of services for your money? No? Well, maybe we've got a little fluff somewhere that we could cut. How dare we ask that you follow the law? You mega PFD dead-enders. You big PFD hardliners. This is the language that they use. What? If I didn't have to do this radio show... I would not be paying a dime for this rag. I'll be honest with you. I just wouldn't. This is the disdain. And again, this is the Brad talked about limousine liberals. This is the limousine Republicans who are living on, you know, in one form or another government largesse and doing things. It's the corporate cronyists. They're all in the same boat. The Zach Fields and the Binkleys and the Stedmans and the and the bishops and and all the other they're all in the same boat as long as we protect the government spend it's all fine okay <clears throat> so yeah that's um whew. all right we got more coming up the Michael Duke show continues Chris Story is going to be joining us here in just a moment. Back with more right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the, on the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're going to be joined here in a second by Chris Story. And uh, Randy, I mean Harold, 
uh, uh, it's a Randy-like comment from Harold. You wouldn't have a large PFD without Bill Walker building up the total fund by reducing the PFD. That is the dumbest argument I've ever heard, Harold. And you've made some interesting arguments before. That is the dumbest one. The permanent fund grew and had a benefit of small PFDs during Walker's tenure. That's like saying, we're going to cut all of our spending for food, and it's also a great weight loss plan. We're going we're gonna to take all your money away for your, for your grocery bills. And the benefit is, I mean, it doesn't matter that you'll be starving, but you'll, you'll have guaranteed weight loss. Yes, Bill Walker took the money out of the PFDs and left it in the earnings reserve. And in, in that case, it did increase the earning po- power of the fund by the billion or billion and a half dollars each year for a good two or three years. But that is the dumbest argument that I have ever heard. So stupid. Okay. Um, I just, I just, uh, I don't, I just don't even, don't even know what to say to you, man. Don't even know. I mean, again, you've made some interesting arguments. That is not one of them. Okay, let me get a story on the line here before I say something I regret. Uh, We'll get things ready to roll. (laughs) Bill Brock. Good morning, Michael. Hello, sir. How are you? Fantastic. And you? I'm okay. I am okay. Um, Living life in 3D. I'm, I'm just 3D. 3D. I'm in the third, the third dimension. Um, it's a new technology. It's, You've heard of it. I right? know. 3D. I've, I've heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I may have been living it for the last fifty years, but I don't know. I'm not, not quite sure. I do not live in a 2D environment, but I'm sure you're going to tell me all about what that stuff is good. What are your thoughts before we get into the helping hand? Let me see if I can get you spun up. What are your thoughts on the whole legislative session and the end of the story and the whole, you know, the whole one day, uh, what, tell me, Mr. Story, tell me a story. You know, what's interesting is I, I, um, I don't mean to air laundry here, but I tried to, um, connect to your, your caster stream this morning and I, I couldn't get through. Maybe I need to, uh. No, so that's, not been, uh, that's because that's morning. because I didn't start it this morning. I was again, ho- ah, I was you hop- didn't want you did not. Yeah, you wanted to hobble me. That's yeah, right. I was hopped up on Ritalin and us uh, and monster energy drinks and coffee. And I just forgot. So that not. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, to answer your question, it's, uh, you know, we, we, I think we, it's so easy to forget. We send our neighbors, they become them in another place and then them or they do things that I don't understand, but I don't understand some of the people in Anchorage that would elect somebody who would propose legislation to cap the number of properties you could own that are classified as, as vacation rentals either. So there's just a lot of things I don't understand about who we send to represent us and where. It doesn't make sense. Oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, um, I'm just, I guess, again, I'm not surprised, but uh, disappointed. I guess that is, we knew that this was going to be a tough session. Both halves of it were going to be tough going in based on who got elected and what the leadership was going to look like. But uh, this is. uh, Yeah, I'm grateful for Sarah Vance. I think Sarah does an incredible job the best she can. And if we could just clone and duplicate her 
uh, around the state. I think, you know, everybody, whether, you know, they know it or not, would be better off. Yeah. Well. Uh, You're welcome that we sent Sarah to you. I'm so grateful. I am so grateful to you for sending Sarah. Uh, there's a handful of people, Sarah and Ben Carpenter uh, and Mike Shower. There's, there's a handful of people that I'm grateful for at this point. Okay. Chris Story, the man from Homer, is going to hit us with the betterment session, our weekly positivity boost, living life in 3D. We're going to talk about that uh, right now. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Uh, it's a surf party in here, and uh, surfs up down in Homer. Uh, you're gonna, you'll see Chris Story off the end of the spit on a piece of uh, cardboard, uh, trying to surf in every day, and uh, it's educational to say the least. Good morning, my friend. Uh, Chris Story comes in. It is uh, the positivity segment, the life coaching lesson. You come in as our positivity guru. But that's not just all. You're not just a positivity guru. You're a realtor. You're an author. You're a potter. You're a a dad, a spokesman, a mentor. I mean, you got a lot of hats on. And apparently a pretty shoddy surfer. Yeah. Well, that cardboard, I keep telling you, it's not going to work. I mean, try plywood. It'll work a little better. Um, All right. Uh, So uh, living life in 3D. That you said your topic for today. You sent me the text message because I'm... I'm I'm all up on the technology. You sent it to me on the on my flip phone, and uh, you said this is the topic for today. So, hit us with it, brother. What is I mean, living life in it's. I mean, I feel like I've been living life in 3D for a long time, but I have a feeling that 3D may not stand for three dimensions. You're talking about something a little different. Well, hmm, au contraire, it's the three dimensions of getting what you really want in life. I remember the first 3D movie I ever saw, I rented it, and it was Friday the 13th Part 3 or 4, I don't remember, but I rented it in, I don't remember if it was Betamax or VHS, but that's irrelevant. I, here's what's relevant, I did not have the glasses. So <laughs> I'm watching this, and it's so cheesy because it's it's filmed in a way, obviously, that, you know, they were, it was all new, and, and it you know, to come to our home. It was meant to be in the theater, obviously, but point is, I couldn't see it, and it was ridiculous. And so I just didn't see that extra dimension. It just looked like a really poorly made horror flick, which it was, even if you had the glasses, but that's not the point. Point is, if you couldn't see it correctly, it just looked silly. It looked ridiculous. You didn't know anything different. You put the glasses on, everything changes. And that's what that's what today is about. Are you just putting on the glasses and going, okay, well, what is the third dimension or three dimensions of getting what you really want in life. And I designed it like this. The 3D of life, the good life, is define, design, and delight. So first off, defining for yourself, what do you want? Because I think a lot of us are aiming at things either we thought we wanted, and now we have inertia pushing us 
and continuing forward towards something that we would actually stop if we thought we could and change course, and I'm telling you, you can, um, defining who you want to become in the process. Because I, I heard somebody say the other day they had 18 or 19 years left of doing this particular thing. And I got this impression that it wasn't a thing they liked or wanted to do. But, well, at this point, as my friend Mark Alpin says, it's too late in the dance to call her ugly. Got to continue on and, <laughs> until the end of the song. And that's just really sad. Um, but you also get to define in life what success looks like for you. That means money monetarily. What is success? What is What is finding meaning for you? You get to define what that means. It doesn't have to be living in Sri Lanka with a shaved head and saffron robes. This could be something completely different and you have meaning in it, uh, your family, all of that. So first off, just defining for yourself what it is you really want. And if you don't do that, it's a little bit like watching the movie with the glasses off. You're going to miss all of the context and the beautiful part of this film is going to be lost to you because you haven't defined for yourself what it is you want. Can I, uh, can I sidebar for a second here in defining what we want? Because uh, you and I talk about this quite a bit, you know, kind of the the chief definite aim, the goal setting, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But to a lot of people, it's it's amorphous. I mean, they they're trying to figure out how to pay the pay the mortgage or the grocery bill at the end of the week, and they're they're looking at this going, oh, but I don't know what my you know. So is there a baby step approach to setting out what it is that you desire? I mean, what your you know what your goal is or your definite aim or. I mean, you know, I think it's, it comes back to something else we've talked about a lot before. It's just giving yourself permission. I think a lot of us want to do something or would like to define or redefine something in our life, but we're a bit afraid of failing, a bit afraid of what will they say, what will it look like if it doesn't work. I told you before, I'm in the process of going through this, this radio syndication and every Friday I get this report and every Friday it's not now, not, not yet get back to us in a month it, it's a it's a hundred different rejections and every friday i face that fear of what if nobody picks it up and i deal with it because i've defined for me in my life success is changing one person's life through this work this mentorship of the backyard millionaire yes i'm aiming at 2000 lives that i want to shift in the next two years to help become backyard millionaires but it's just one at a time and so i've redefined for myself what success looks like in that arena and as a result of that redefinition, I'm, I'm ecstatic every Friday to read the rejections, and I look forward to it. And so I just redefined what success will look like. It will be one and then the next one, but really it's individually one person at a time. And I think all of us, Michael, really know, and if we say, oh, we're just trying to make ends meet this week, I get it. Everyone is, truthfully. It's just a matter of do you want to be making ends meet in a year 10 or 20 from now or do you want to have and live in abundance because that's an option too you and, get to define it and, and it's a choice and maybe you can't define what your life goal is but maybe you can define what it looks like in a year or six months or five years or you know you don't you don't have to go full hog to the beginning right i mean you can you can take this a piece at a time and you could redefine where you are right now as you know what, and accept, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm actually really anxious and glad and grateful for this job or this position in life right now, right. because this is where I'm supposed to be. And then I'm gonna define where I want to be in, in one, two, three, five, ten 10 years right. and design that with, and that's actually the, the second D 
of the third dimension of living is to design what is ideal for you. There's a guy called um, Jason Womack, and he wrote a book called, I don't remember, it doesn't matter what it's called, because <laughs> in it, I got one incredible thing out of it. Design your ideal day. And he, he, he basically says, take whatever time it takes, a day, a week, an hour, and design for yourself what is your ideal day. Mm-hmm. What would you do in an ideal day? Right. And it could look a lot like a vacation day. It could be whatever. So define for yourself and design what is an ideal day for you. Um, design your life to suit whatever it is that you want. You can and you have the ability. Zig Ziglar used to talk about People would say, well, I don't have the time, Zig, to do these extra things. And he would say, just cut out one hour a day of television and convert that to education or convert it to reading or writing or or extra sale, making one extra sale. Whatever it is, you get to design your life to meet your needs. And you can design your career. You can design a better job from where you are right now within the same organization and company if you just shift how you look at it put these glasses on and you'll see a whole new dimension because you truly are in charge of designing your life versus your life being designed by society, the fears of society, the, the, the laws of entropy that would make you think, my God, it's all pointless at this time. I mean, we're all going to be gone in a year anyway. Nope. Get rid of that and start designing your ideal day to fit what will ultimately become your ideal life. So define what it is you want, what your goal is, what you want, what you want it to look like, then design the perfect day and a series of perfect days that take you to the steps of that, right to your destination. Mm-hmm. And what is the third D for the third dimension of living life in three D? We'll be back with more at eleven o'clock. Tune in. Yeah, <laughs> don't make us wait. It's the now hook. Let's insert the a commercial. Hook. Yeah, <laughs> delight. So the delight. third D is just del- delight because there's joy in life. If you're not if you're not enjoying life, you're doing it wrong. There is you can delight in all things great and small. Um, I woke up this morning. That was a delight. Number one. Number two. Came into my library with a beautiful hot mug of steaming coffee, and I cracked open the window in the library, and the sound of the birds were it was mesmerizing. And I was like, oh, I'm literally finding delight in this. And sometimes we have to. You stop scrolling, put the screens down, get quiet, get into a quiet place, and just in, enjoy the small delights or whatever you define as delightful. You might enjoy going to the Fifth Avenue Mall and people watching. Uh, whatever it is, you can delight in what you want. Delight in conversation with a stranger. And, and challenge you to do that. And even if you find that to be loathsome, like I hate people, I hate strangers on a plane, I just uh, interviewed a nurse practitioner yesterday is going to appear on my show in a week or so. And she was telling me about two amazing conversations she had on planes with strangers. And they almost were like uh, serendipitous that she would be seated next to this person and or on the flight home next to this person. It was just amazing. But if she hadn't taken the opportunity to delight in that conversation with a stranger, um, she wouldn't have made those connections. So there's just delight in daily life and finding meaning where you are with what you've got. We've talked about this book many times, but it's one that I cannot recommend enough. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It should be in every single home in the world. It should be every in every home in America. Every listener of yours should have it right now in their library and read it from time to time. Even if you just thumb through the first half of the book and you don't really want to get into what he called logotherapy and his, you know, his, his psychology, the philosophy of his psychology, that's in the back half of the book. 
read his story, read surviving three concentration camps and finding meaning in a fish eyeball you found in soup or the idea of, of how catching a cold or being ill, so ill you can't work. He found meaning in, in delight in life inside of the concentration camp, which is what saved ultimately his life. And he'd go on to live another 70 years after he was freed. So there is delight in everyday living if you're looking for it. And this opportunity right now, Michael, that you and I are having is to put on those glasses and go, yeah, I'm going to see the world differently. I'm going to see it in three dimensions by design, definition of my own terms and choosing. And I will choose to find delight in daily life because I'm here and you're still here. So we have something to do and offer yet. Uh, Chris Story is our guest. The man from Homer comes in with uh, our weekly positivity lesson, talking about life in 3D. You and I have had the discussion before about, and and what you do is not necessarily what brings you joy. In fact, you made the argument one day that uh, something along the lines of, you, you know, because previously, if you don't if you don't love it, don't do it, kind of thing. And you're like, no, no, you might mm -hmm. have to do it, even if you don't, even if you don't love it. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I kind of had an argument about that. Uh, what, uh, so, so again, going back to this delight thing, it is, I, I don't know. I read something recently, um, from, uh, words, it was a, a sales thing about, it was in radio and advertising. And the guy said, you must love what you do and be passionate about, or you're not, uh, be passionate about it or, you're not doing the right thing. If you can't be happy until you get there, it means that you're doing what you're doing doesn't make you happy. And if what you're doing doesn't change as you move up, so if that makes you happy, you'll be happy, you know, if you if what makes you happy at every level, it's got to make you happy at every level, right? I mean, that's the whole point of of this whole thing. And sometimes you have to do things that are unpleasant to reach that happy spot. Are you watching Succession, the HBO series? No, I'm not. Have you seen any of it? No, I can't. I, if, it, so, if it doesn't have anything to do with fantasy or space, I'm not interested because I deal with enough politics and crazy stuff uh, well, in real life. Well, it kind of does deal with fantasy and space because they're space, they're airheads in space, and it's a some sort of fanciful a version of the Murdoch's life. But uh, I'm not thrilled with the fourth season, but that's off topic. What I'm trying to say is that um, – the McCulkin kid, not Macaulay, but his younger brother, I forget his name, uh, Kieran. went in to try, that's right, and he went in to try out for a particular role, the older brother, uh, or the cousin, that's right, the cousin Greg. Anyway, long story short, as he was describing who was going to act, was supposed to be cast where in this story, after you've seen a season or two, you're like, no, no, you can't see it. No, no, that would have been so wrong cast. Like, but I think that's the same in life is that we might be better suited for one role, even though we're living or playing another character. You can love what you are doing, where you are with what you've got and put everything you've got into it. And suddenly other opportunities will open up. Either you'll find actually, you know what, I actually do like this. And I brought a new slant to it, a new twist to it, or you're going to be noticed and other opportunities are going to come to you because you've opened doors by being present and by giving 110% where you are with what you've got. I early on in my marriage with, um, with Tiffany, uh, I met this guy randomly as I was a salesperson in Anchorage. I met this guy and out of nowhere, he gave me this advice about, um, it, he, I didn't even ask him. I, I didn't know why he was telling me this story, but 
it was a really cool story about a woman who wanted to divorce her husband. She goes to see the attorney. The attorney says, treat him like a king for the next two weeks. You put everything into this marriage for the next two weeks, and then we will drop the hammer on him, and he won't know what hit him when we file the divorce. She does so. He doesn't see her for a month, sees her in the grocery store, says, hey, what happened? You were supposed to come back. We're going to file divorce papers. She goes, divorce him? Are you kidding me? We've never been so happy. And it's not to say that every marriage could be changed by the wife just being better. You could flip the script and say the man should go home and treat his wife like a queen or put her on a pedestal. And that's exactly how I took the story and what I've done for the last 34 years. But not to say that it's perfect or without um, some discrepancies and disputes, whatever. I'm just saying that it's about putting everything into something that you're doing currently and you'll find that it gets better and other opportunities open up to you. But if you're just waiting or you feel like I'm miscast, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but one day I'll find meaning somewhere. I disagree. I think you'll find the meaning when you put in where you are with what you've got and other opportunities will begin to just flourish and come at you. You won't even have to seek them out. They'll come at you. Chris Story, he's the author of the book, The Backyard Millionaire. Uh, and he is, uh, <clears throat> he is, uh, is a font of wisdom and you should go check it mm-hmm. out and, uh, and read the book. Uh, I love Homer It's also available on audible and that's basically finding wealth where you're at. Uh, he's also got the millionaire maker, which he's willing to send to you free of charge. It's a little uh, pamphlet that goes over some of the philosophy that he talks about, uh, and touches in part on what we're talking about today. Chris, if folks want to get that, how do they get that? Uh, Text the word uh, millionaire at 907-299-7653, and I'll send you the PDF copy of that little booklet. It's uh, it's great. It really does break down exactly how to buy your first four homes in six easy steps. Uh, 299-7653, send him a text message to millionaire. He will email you the book and, uh, or the booklet, and uh, then you can go get the Backyard Millionaire and enjoy that as well. Chris Story, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on board and joining us. As always, I appreciate it. It's always good stuff. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Folks, we're out of time for this segment. we got one more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay, Chris Story uh, continues with us here. I just sent you that little blurb um, that uh, um, that I was talking about. It really kind of struck with me and stuck with me uh, on happiness and things like that. That you've got to love what you do and be passionate about it or you're not doing the right thing. And that if you can't be happy until you get there, meaning the big job, the big goal, whatever, it means that what you're doing doesn't make you happy. And what you're doing doesn't change as you move up. So if that's what makes you happy, you'll be happy at every level. Um, and so I think okay. there's cool. I think there's some truth to that. Um, but again, this all comes back to that first part, the design, the deciding, right? The deciding, the decision, the defining what what it is that your chief goal or life aim is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, in an economy where things are getting more expensive, jobs are, you know, maybe the job you want is scarce, whatever is supply and demand, whatever is happening. I, I think I keep coming back to you have control. You cannot control what's happening globally or nationally. You can't even control what's happening statewide, but you have agency and controlling your own life in your own backyard. I think about the people that have sold out to BlackRock 
and they, it, somebody chose to sell their home to BlackRock writ large across the country. So you had a choice. You, the neighbor, your neighbor had choice and agency in selling out to BlackRock. And then now what do we do? In large, we complain, I can't believe that the thousands of homes BlackRock is buying. You sold it to them. You didn't have to. And you didn't have to let your neighbor's home be sold to some big conglomerate. You had choice. Right. You chose not to purchase it. You yeah. chose to let your community go the direction it's going. I'm choosing right now to try everything I can to stop my community from spending $400 million on a harbor expansion we cannot afford and cannot afford to maintain going forward. And yet at the same time, I will cross in people, I'm sure, who will think, wait a minute, I thought you were conservative. I thought you were you know, for growth and what's going on here. I have agency and I have control in my backyard. Can't control the entire $32 trillion deficit. But by God, I can have a voice in my community about how we're going to take a whack at that apple a little bit and say, no, if you, the government, have $350 million to put into our little port, let's put it back, that same money, if it's just sitting there, put it towards the debt. Put it towards, uh, you know, something else that we actually um, can do something about. Anyway, point is, we have personal responsibility right where you are. And if you leave that to your boss, or you leave it to your elected officials, or you leave it to somebody else to write the book because mm, who am I? Then I think you'll you'll find dissatisfaction wherever you go. You take it with you. Yeah. No, I agree. I I agree. You got to do what you can do, and you got to understand again the serenity prayer of the things that you can change and the things you can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference. And once you discern that, life does become a little easier. Um, that's, and then do something with yeah. it. Right. Exactly. Just not just seeing it. But, oh, I can't control that. Well, do something. You can control some things. You can define for yourself, what do you want your community to look like? What do you want? I used to go into a company that I used to work at when I had a job. It was in 1993. It's the last job I had um, because now I'm unemployable. But I would go in and propose all kinds of things. Like, hey, we thought about this. What about profit sharing? Hey, what if we structured it this way? Why don't we go open another store in another community and I'll run it for you? I mean, you have you just keep pushing forward where you are towards a life of your design and defined by you as to what success will look like. And then do find the light just in the, in the day, in the moment, maybe spending time with a loved one. Or I heard about somebody recently who's living alone and just in absolute anger. I mean, this life, this sounds awful. And it's like, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? Can I help him? If I could help him, I don't have to be Mother Teresa. I don't have to be surrounded by lepers. I don't know that I could be. It's not for me, but right. I, it was for her. But I can go make a difference in this guy's life, maybe. So I'm going to try. There's right. one person. So we get to define the light right here, right now, today. Right. Well, <clears throat> it's always uh, it's always an uplift to talk with you and uh, get uh, you know get my mind right a little bit here, especially after going on my full on rant about stuff that I can affect but not necessarily control. Um, again, it's one of the reasons why I stopped. It's what st I stopped reading and reporting on national stuff because oh, the ultimate of frustration. That that is like smashing your head against the wall uh, every day. So, uh, Chris, mm -hmm. thank you for coming on board. As always, my friend, I appreciate it. And we will chat with you next week. Look forward to it, Michael. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Chris Story, the man from 
Homer coming on board and sharing with us today his weekly life coaching lesson. We we love that about him. All right. Uh, that ding means it's time to jump back over to the uh, to the uh, radio, and we're going to continue uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. I think I'm going to break down what uh, Harold said uh, earlier because that seems interesting to me. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program. <laughs> Somebody just asked me if we had a riding lawnmower at the Alaska Radio Auction. No, no riding lawnmowers. We do have an Argo and a wood splitter, and there's a wood stove. There's some uh, garage uh, epoxy flooring stuff. I mean, you all just go check it out. AlaskaRadioAuction.com. Um, okay. <clears throat> Final segment of the show today. And um, just a just a little bit ago, before we got into it with Chris, uh, one of our favorite people in the chat room, who is always there to challenge us and troll us in various ways, um, made a comment to which I was I, I was un, I was unkind about. I said it was a dumb comment, and it, to a, and it, to a point, it's true, but it's at the same way. Um, it's it's a true comment, but not the full truth. Let's put it that way. So we were talking about the PFD and how Bill Walker was responsible for the beginning of the end in many ways uh, of what we're seeing. I mean, he is kind of the father, the genesis of a lot of the problems that we're experiencing today. And uh, Harold in the chat room said the only reason a $4,000 PFD is possible uh, using the statute calculation is because the fund grew much more as a result of reduced PFDs after Walker's vetoes. Now, technically, he's not wrong because remember, for the first three years, um, the PFD that was cut, you know, your half of the PFD that was cut remained untouched in the earnings reserve. And since the earnings reserve, remember, there's the corpus of the fund and then there's the earnings reserve account. Since the earnings reserve is a subset of the fund, it uh, bolstered the overall earning power of the fund as a whole. So it went up a billion and change every year that it was cut. It went up a billion, billion point two, billion point three, whatever it was. And that money remained in the earnings reserve untouched by anybody. So, yes, over the course of two or three years, it did increase the earnings reserve. It did increase, increase the earning uh, potential of the fund. For those three years, uh, now three billion out of seventy-five billion or whatever, um, I I don't think it was a significant increase enough. Definitely not significant enough to offset the economic impact of the loss of those billions of dollars 
from the Alaska economy. And that's really the full truth. The full truth is, yes, it did increase the overall earning aspect of the fund, but at the same time, it did untold damage to the private economy because that money was taken out of the economy. Uh, he continues to say, not the only reason you have now, the only reason you have the possibility of large PFDs today is Walker's actions resulting in a larger permanent fund. That is blatantly false. The only reason that we have the possibility is because of the fund itself. Walker's actions resulted in a fractionally larger income. But remember, it's a five-year rolling average, first of all. So again, it's all fractional. If you stuck to the statutory formula, we might be talking about the difference of maybe five or $600 over a five-year rolling average uh, if, <clears throat> if you count those three years of additional, uh, of additional value in the earnings reserve. And don't forget, by the way, that the legislature also voted several times to place $500 million, a billion, everything else, to take it out of the earnings reserve to put it in the corpus. That's money that technically some of it was our money that should have been spent in the economy. Um, <clears throat> and so while, again, we've got a kind of a half-truth here where it's not the full scope of what it is, the implication that uh, these things are only possible because Bill Walker did what he did is a ridiculous assertion. I mean, just ridiculous. And again, remember, this whole time that we were being told, especially in those first three years of the withholding of the permanent fund from the people, we were told that this is, you know, this is for our benefit. We need this. We could we could need. And it, yet it sat there in the account doing nothing, doing nothing. I mean, except for, yes, increasing the overall value of the fund itself, increasing the earning power a bit, et cetera, et cetera. But the impact of those billions of dollars not going into the private economy has damaged the private economy more than anything else than we could have done in the last 30 years, period. That's the bottom line. Now, Harold goes on later on in the commentary to say something about uh, uh, Alaska's economy would have been far better off if the legislators and governors simply left the damn thing alone. Okay, great. So that's the, actually the other half of the comment. And he's right. He's right. We would have been better off because the fund itself would have continued to grow. Uh, we still would have been better. But that money flourishing in the economy would have been a better, uh, it would have been a better uh, use of those dollars rather than just sitting in a bank account for government to spend one day. So little, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a little, little tit for tat there. He, uh, he you know, he was truthful, uh, in the beginning, partially truthful. And then some it in the end. And I, I agree with that. We would have been far, far better off, um, just leaving everything well alone. But see, that's the problem with the legislators that we have. Uh, and, and quite honestly, it's the problem with politicians in general, because they all suffer in one form or another. Well, maybe not all of them, but the majority, the vast majority of them suffer in one way or another from the politician's disease, which is, of course, we know better than you how to spend your money. We know better than you how to live your life. We know better than you all these things that need to go on. And so when they have succumbed to that disease, all they want to do is have access and glom onto every piece of money that uh, that is available to them. And so when they see this big pot of money in the form of the PFD, the earnings reserve account, or even the permanent fund corpus itself, they cannot help but salivate a little bit to uh, 
you know, at the prospect of getting their hands on that and being able to spend it on whatever pet project they have. That's that's the bottom line. Um, and it's unfortunate, but that that is the that is the truth and the nature of what we're facing in today's legislature and in past legislatures. And we just we just saw it in action there at the end with a special session. Uh, you know, the money talks in the long run, the money talks, whether it was 500 million, 500,000 or a million or $10 million or everything else. Um, all that money, you know, was all those votes and the influence that were essentially purchased and bought off with those dollars. That's what it comes down to, um, is, and this is the problem again with government, everything, a government that's big enough to pay for everything is big enough to take everything away. Right. That was the, that's a, that's a paraphrasing of a pre of an old quote. But that's the thing. When the government is big enough to take care of everything, it's big enough to take everything away. And you don't that's not what you want. I would rather have a little struggle in my life and still have my freedom and my free choice and be able to do what I want to do with the monies that I got, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. Tomorrow will be Mike Shower. On Thursday, we'll be doing some firearm stuff. On Friday, I will be on vacation through the weekend, returning on Tuesday after Memorial Day. So just a heads up again. I appreciate you guys coming up and being part of it. Thank you for participating. We will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, friends. Well, I appreciate you guys all being part of it today. Yes, even you, Harold, and even you, Randy. Yes, I appreciate it. We got more. We, we got more to do and more to discuss tomorrow. Thank you for being part of the show. Please like and share on whatever platform you're watching on. And we will see you manana. Have a great day, my friends.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.